You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to this final half hour of uh, Real Presence Live. And we're happy to have with us today, and we're continuing on this theme of the... Uh, of the uh, the, the English Reformation, if you will, or the uh, Revolution, as Steve Weidenkopf called it. Uh, we're talking with Judge Robert Conrad, but uh, we get to call him Bob. And uh, he, he's, he's written a book about these two saints, and it's called John Fisher and Thomas More, Keeping Their Souls While Losing Their Heads. And so, uh, Bob, why don't you go ahead, and we're going to let you introduce yourself and just uh, take it away. Well, my name is Bob Conrad, and I'm a federal district court judge uh, sitting in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Uh, Father of five and grandfather uh, to uh, expecting numbers 11 and 12 this summer. Beautiful. And so uh, those are are the things that matter most in uh, my life. Uh, Being a husband, I celebrated my 42nd uh, wedding anniversary yesterday. And uh, being a father of five, uh, celebrating the feast of St. John Fisher and Thomas More today. Uh, so it's been a good week. Well, we've got to, uh, I was able to send out a, a, t- a text to all the members of the North Dakota St. Thomas More Society to encourage them to listen in today. So um, they're waiting to hear from you. Great. Well, um, I really respect these uh, two men uh, flowing out of what Thomas More said, uh, the last thing he said before being executed. He said, I die the king's good servant in God's fur. Uh, and to me, that's an extraordinary statement, um, that uh, that there is no conflict in allegiances, uh, that to... To be God's servant first makes you a better public servant, and so Thomas More has always been an example to me of uh, how to live and die well. And then John Bishop John Fisher, a less-known contemporary of Thomas More, was an equally accomplished man, uh, Chancellor of Cambridge University, counsel to the uh, to the king's mother, uh, bishop of his diocese, uh, extraordinarily accomplished person uh, who was willing to give up all those accomplishments rather than to go against his conscience. And so uh, these two men, uh, having lived 500 years ago, I believe have much to uh, tell us first century. Oh, yeah. When you you consider their lives uh, compared to kind of uh, I think what we're seeing today in, in public life, uh, they were certainly wonderful examples for those who were able to live their faith, you know, even though, you know, they were public people. What would you say is at the heart of what they, what we need to hear from them today? You know, John Paul II declared more uh, the patron of statesmen and politicians back mm-hmm. in the Jubilee year, 22 years ago. And in doing so, he indicated uh, the greatness of Moore, and I believe Fisher falls in the same category. The witness they bore, even at the 
price of their lives to the primacy of truth over power. And by doing that, they, they in uh, uh, St. John Paul II's words, were imperishable examples of moral integrity. Uh, I love that phrase, and I think it's uh, so apt uh, when applied to Fisher and Moore, so important uh, for us today to think about, to be inspired by, and hopefully to emulate. Truth over power, that's that's incredible, especially when you consider that we're living in a world that uh, is living more, I think, within... I'd say power is challenging the truth nowadays. Well, or truth has been confused. Yeah. Just about everywhere you look. And so they, the king uh, demanded that they sign oaths uh, against their conscience, upholding his divorce from Catherine of Aragon in order to marry his uh, mistress, Anne, Anne Boleyn. And uh, the men simply could not do that. Uh, in their minds, uh, citing an oath contrary what they, to what they believed to be true imperiled their very souls. And so they were willing to be imprisoned. Uh, uh, rather than uh, to sign a false oath. And even that was not enough for the king. He uh, had Parliament pass a, a statute that uh, made him head of the supreme head of the Church of England, and the, anybody that spoke maliciously against that title uh, forfeited their lives. And so uh, both uh, Fisher and Moore were imprisoned for life, and then ultimately executed uh, because the king uh, could not uh, coerce them to go against their conscience. And the remarkable thing about both men is uh, that they were cheerful, even at the point of death. Thomas More joked with his uh, executioner uh, that he had a short neck and he should uh, uh, swing the axe clearly cleanly, uh, told the executioner that he needed help up the steps, but he could find his own way down. (laughs) (laughs) What What do you think that sense of humor says about them as men? Uh, I believe that it was, was not just a, uh, thing of temperament, but it flowed uh, from uh, their deep faith that, um, that both men believe so passionately and uh, compellingly in the reality of heaven uh, that to uh, sacrifice for a while on earth uh, was the be-all and end-all of things. Um, Their joy uh, was rooted in their faith, lived in the present moment, a hope that did not depend on appearances rooted in in eternity. So their humor uh, was not just uh, their temperament, it was their faith that allowed them to to see things in perspective. How, how does their example have an impact on your work and I would almost say vocation as a judge? I love that word, uh, vocation. There's actually a chapter in my book uh, titled uh, Vocation. Um, And what I gleaned from their lives is that uh, 
God had created them for some specific purpose, unique to them, uh, something that he had, in Newman's words, given to them which he had not given uh, to another. And each man pursued that vocational end. Uh, they desired to use their talents and their gifts and their occupations to bring glory to God. And uh, they did it with such integrity that they left a witness uh, to us uh, 500 years later. I'm I'm looking at um, you know pondering the question about you know these you know these guys are saints that have you know widely known probably Thomas More more so than John Fisher and I'm thinking you know what was it that inspired you to write yet again another book about these two saints? You know I um, I saw how different in personality one was from the other. Uh, more as the outgoing life of the party, um, Lord Chancellor, a very visible public life. Uh, John Fisher was an academic, uh, aesthetic, very disciplined uh, man of the church. And uh, each man lived a life of integrity, committed to truth over power, uh, believing in uh, heaven. Uh, Erasmus said of Thomas More, he talks of heaven as if he actually believes it exists. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's this eternal perspective, uh, this commitment to truth, um, witnessed in two really different people that I thought telling their stories together uh, might provide an inspiration, uh, first to my kids, then to my law clerks and interns that I've worked with over the years, and then to any reader, really, of, of the book. Uh, I believe that their inspiring lives, and even more importantly, their courageous approach to death, uh, might have something to say uh, to us in the 21st century. There's a famous quote by Thomas More where... Uh I don't. It was one of his friends who was encouraging him to just sign the oath and go along with the rest of us, you know, even if you don't believe it, but for fellowship. Do you remember what his response was? Yes, it was a beautiful response. He said to the Duke of Norfolk, uh, according to Robert Bolt in The Man for All Seasons, and, and when you go to heaven uh, for following your conscience, and I go to hell for not following mine, will you go with me? for fellowship. <laughs> yeah. That is a great quote. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. Bolt pulls that out of a letter that Moore, Moore wrote to his daughter, Margaret. And in the letter, he's actually referring to a, a jury. And there are 11 jurors who want to vote one way, and this one person who's following his conscience voting another one. And he says to the other 11, and uh, when you, you go to heaven, Go to hell for not following mine. Will you go with me for fellowship? It actually came out of a, a jury context, which mm. is a really striking thing for me as a judge, and a, stri- a striking thing for me as a historian because it would be the failure of courage by the subsequent juries that would lead to the uh, conviction and execution of John Fisher and Thomas More. Right. Okay, well, I see we're, we're coming up on a break right now, and it, uh, I think maybe this is a good time for one. And uh, we're talking with uh, uh, Bob Conrad, 
and about his book, John Fisher and Thomas More, Keeping Their Souls While Losing Their Heads. And after the break, we'll talk more about the book, and uh, we'll also get some information as uh, you know, where you as listeners, if you're interested in obtaining it, uh, you know, we can perhaps give you a, a site or something. And uh, stay with us. More to come with Jack and Doreen Canelli, your hosts, and talking to uh, Bob Conrad. So stay with us, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Mark Holcraft. And this is Dr. Joseph Holcraft. You know, Mark, Jesus asks 307 questions in sacred scripture. He has asked 183, of which he only answers three. What's the business with all of this questioning going on in the Bible? Well, Joe, there's a lot there, and we'll be ready to take that on. Tune in to hear about these questions and more on Awaken every second and fourth Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central here on Real Presence Radio Network. How can you know for sure that your loved one is in heaven? Well, the short answer is you can't. I'm Father Chris Alar, but you can have confident hope that they are saved because no matter when or how they died, even by suicide, you can pray and make sacrifices now to still help them accept God's final offer of grace. Jesus told St. Faustina, Call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. When you pray with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Wow, if you desire heaven for someone, God desires it even more. So do your part to help them get there. Please visit suicidemanhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. We all like to shop local, but sometimes there are items you can't easily get nearby. The next time you shop online, think of Real Presence Radio. If you use our special link, Real Presence Radio will get a portion of your purchase price on Amazon, and it won't cost you anything additional. Just go to realpresenceradio.com slash smile, and you're all set. You'll be directed to Amazon Smile, where a portion of your purchase price will be donated to Real Presence Radio. It's easy, fast, and doesn't cost you a dime. Find the link at realpresenceradio.com slash smile. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the home stretch of today's installment of Real Presence Live with uh, myself, Jack Nelly, and my wife, Doreen, as your hosts. We're talking to Judge Bob Conrad about his book, John Fisher and Thomas Moore, Keeping Their Souls While Losing Their Heads. And, uh, Bob, before we kind of get into the discussion again, why don't you tell people uh, where they can obtain the book if they would like? So the publisher is Tan Books, and that would be the first place I would suggest. But you can get it at Amazon and other uh, book retailers. So So they could probably just do a search under the name of John Fisher and or Thomas Moore, and they'd probably pop up somewhere. Yes, and if they threw my name in, Robert J. Conrad Jr., it would pop up uh, a number of different ways to get it. I have a question, Bob. Is history just kind of a a passion of yours, or do you have 
other degree? Do you have a degree in in the study of history, or how do, how do you? You're a district judge or a federal judge. How does that history historian um, piece fit in there? Yeah, so I actually did major in history at Clemson uh, University some 40 uh, years ago. <laughs> Home of the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go Tigers. And, and so um, I have always uh, had a fascination in in history and biography uh, and and an even greater fascination in the lives of the saints uh, through my uh, Catholic faith. Today is the feast day of John Fisher and Thomas More being the anniversary of the execution of John Fisher on June 22nd, 1535. It's really important to King Henry VIII to hurry up the execution of John Fisher because he knew that the uh, feast day of the Nativity of John the Baptist was coming up on June 24th. Also beheaded. (laughs) Yes, and Fisher had made a direct comparison between the conduct of Henry VIII with respect to uh, his marriage and the conduct of Herod uh, marrying his brother Philip's uh, wife, Herodias. Wow. And uh, this just angered the king. and he, So he, he quickly uh, rushed through the, the trial and conviction part so he could be executed before the 24th. Well... Uh, it didn't work out too well for the king. John Fisher was executed on June 22nd, which is the feast day of St. Alban, the first English martyr in history. Mm. And so, uh, as a Catholic, I love uh, these uh, feast days. Uh, these two men are celebrated in the Anglican Church on July 6th, which is the anniversary of Thomas More's uh, execution. And... Uh, Moore took great comfort in the fact that he was going to be executed on the eve, on the eve of the uh, uh, feast of the transfer, translation of the relics of St. Thomas Becket. And so these great historical figures were very in tune uh, with the feast days celebrated in their day. And I think it's a great opportunity for us moderns to pause in our life and and to contemplate the greatness and the holiness and the courage of men like John Fisher and Thomas More. Could you say just one thing, because you're a historian, about the importance of studying history or knowing our history in a nutshell? (laughs) Yes, and uh, what is reflected in my book is that these lives which occurred 500 years ago... um, went through similar things that we go through today. And so you have issues of religious liberty, of suppression of speech. You have a terrible virus going through a a country, killing thousands. You have uh, a movement designed to destroy monuments and icons. And so um, history repeats itself. And we can learn from the courage and the witness of men of truth like John Fisher and Thomas More and apply what we learn uh, to the current problems, which in many ways don't seem much different than the problems of the 16th century. Thank you. And they remind us of our need for a Savior. <laughs> yes, I mean, it, uh, it was their study of the Scriptures and the Church Fathers that led Fisher and More 
to the point of refusing to sign an oath against their uh, conscience. Did, and um, did the I, I've got a question that I've got for you is the. Did the execution of St. Thomas More, my understanding, he was very popular with the people at the time, was he not? And did that yes. kind of go against uh, Henry? Did uh, the, did it kind of uh, contribute to some unpopularity, his unpopularity at the time? Well, yes, not only in the country of England, uh, but these men were known uh, throughout the known world of their day and in the... In the barbarity of these executions. Uh, The summer of 1535 was a very bloody summer. In a two-week or a several-week period of time, Henry had executed three Cartesian monks, a bishop made cardinal the month before he was executed, and John Fisher, and then his former best friend and Lord Chancellor, Thomas More. And so... um, this was shocking uh, to the world uh, of the 16th uh, century, and sadly to be followed by more executions uh, in the future. Anne Boleyn, who was in some ways the source of all this conflict, would be executed by Henry a year later. And so um, his bloodlust was, uh, was not satisfied uh, in his lifetime. Oh. Well, what, um, we, you know, we only have a couple of minutes before uh, we uh, go to our, uh, we have to sign off here, but what do you hope readers will learn about these two saints, you know, from your book? The takeaway. Well, yeah, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is these extraordinary men of accomplishment uh, live their lives not to achieve but to glorify God. And when called upon, cheerfully gave up everything uh, to pursue truth, uh, to, uh, to uh, defend uh, his church. Uh, and so their witness to truth over power, their absolute conviction that, that heaven awaited them, their cheerfulness in the uh, face of adversity, these are all characteristics of holy men uh, that if, if applied today, uh, would revolutionize our world. Amen. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, no, I, I, and I think I, I think your position as judge, and I just want to mention this, I think adds a little, I don't know, a little more octane to the to the book itself. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the fact that uh, you wrote it, not necessarily in your capacity as a judge, but that you are one. And and I think. Uh, their lives are such a, a good example, but Thomas More in particular for judges and attorneys, and of course that's why he's the patron saint of statesmen and, and attorneys. And uh, anyway, I hope that uh, our, our our listeners got a better understanding of these two saints, and I also hope that uh, it might uh, our visit might inspire some of them to to get your book to learn to go All even right. further to go even yes. further. Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you for are being. Are we still on air? We, we are, are still on the air. I'm, I'm just I'm just getting ready to close this off. But if you got a final comment, quickly. You know, I uh, uh, more a father than a judge uh, uh, was motivated 
write this book. Now, if I could only get my children to read it, <laughs> okay. I would be in good shape. Good luck with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot for being with us, uh, Bob, and uh, good luck with the book, and th- thanks for writing it. And thanks for living your life the way you do as a, yeah. as a witness to others. Okay. We, I guess we better hustle here because people are just waiting with bated breath for Mark's preview of our next uh, installment of Real Presence Live tomorrow. <laughs> On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Craig Holcalter and Amanda Ellerkamp are your hosts, coming to you live from the Market Press Coffee Company in Dickinson, North Dakota. Dr. Samantha Kedrowski will be on to talk about applying faith to medical practice. Then, Aaron Grinsteiner will discuss balancing life as a Catholic husband, father, and business owner. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Okay, thank you, Mark. I think, Doreen, we got enough time for a real quick uh, riddle. A riddle or a joke? Oh, as as you wish. All right, can a kangaroo jump higher than a house? Oh, please. (laughs) You can can give the right answer. Softballs. Okay, well, what's the answer? No, a house can't jump. That means, yes, they can jump higher because a house can't jump. Okay, okay. (laughs) we've got one minute till the end of the show. Why don't we try another one? Okay. Um, what do you get when you cross? And I can't remember that joke. Just a sec. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it too. Yeah. What do you get when you cross an elephant and a fish? An element, elephant and a fish. Um, I don't know. Swimming trunks. Swimming trunks. Okay. Well, after that riotous <laughs> riddle there by Dorino. Uh, we hear the music coming up, and uh, stay thanks tuned. For being with us. Say, thanks for being with us, and uh, stay tuned on Real Presence Radio for Take Two with Jerry and Deborah, Debbie, which is next. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.